as you have been forewarned. Uh, again, the message is in the book of Proverbs. I invite you to turn there to the fourth chapter. Proverbs chapter 4. Thank you to all who have served us so well this morning. And uh, thank you for the expectancy and the attitude of worship. And may the Lord permit that to continue even now. Please join me as we again pray. We have, Father, in our minds the key verse in this inspired, authoritative, sufficient book of the Bible, the book of Proverbs. You make it very clear that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You are high and holy. You dwell in indistinguishable light. You are God and we are not. And yet in your mercy and your kindness to us, you condescend to dwell with those who are of a contrite heart and who tremble at your word. We pray for the Holy Spirit's work now in my life and in the hearts and minds of your people gathered here, a precious assembly purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We pray for trembling hearts as we hear your word. And may only your word cut through the noise that somehow affects us in our minds. So come, Holy Spirit. Come in power. Come in grace. Help us to understand and apply this holy text. We pray this for the honor of Jesus and for the good of your people. Amen. Proverbs 4, verses 10 through to 19. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom, I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction and do not let it go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it, turn away from it, and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. 
they are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. This is God's word. This is a father speaking to his son. And we apply it as parents instructing children. In this passage that I've read for you, it seems to be broken into uh, two parts. The first verses, 10, 11, 12, and 13, are, I think are a review. Now, those of us who teach know the value of a review. And these parents seem to know the value of a, of a review. There's nothing in those verses that is different than what the parents have been saying all along. And then in verse 14 and to the end, they add an element to their teaching that we haven't dealt with yet. So that's basically how I've structured my message based on this text. First part is a review, the second part is the new information. This is written for us as an inspired text of Scripture. It's holy. It's written in a form that is poetic. But let me remind you, parents, that you can teach your children in less formal ways. Deuteronomy 6 says, you know, teach your children while you're sitting, while you're standing, while you're going for a walk. May I add, going for a drive in the vehicle, doing some chores. You can be teaching your children these things all the time. And you can be teaching them this content. This is your curriculum. What the parent seems to be saying here, in my understanding, is, uh, and this is probably the way I would say it, well, Johnny, I may sound like a broken record, but please hear what I've been saying. Please accept it. Please hold on to it. Don't let it go. Guard this teaching. This teaching that I've been giving you and the example that you see in my life. Notice the parents point out it's just not their teaching, verse 11. It's their example. I have taught you, I have led you. This is so important, and I I know you're a mature group of people, and you understand this, I'm sure, so clearly. I don't, shouldn't have to mention it. But you do, we do need to be reminded that if we say one thing, and live another, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Never has. Paul said to Timothy, 
You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Would that not be a wonderful aspiration for you and I as parents, Sunday school teachers, pastors, elders, that we would say to people, just look at what we say and look at how we live. That's how you're to live. Paul would later say to the Corinthian church, as I follow Christ, you you follow me. He said to Timothy, he said, keep close watch on yourself and your teaching. These parents understood that. The dad was able to go to the child and say, I have taught you, I have led you. The child could see the example in the parents. So the parent in review says, child, don't forget, don't dismiss what you've been taught. Why? Well, again, that's review. Because there's a general principle in the Bible that if you follow God's Word, if you live in accordance with God's Word, your years will be many. That's a general principle in the Bible. And as I said at the beginning of this series, God's sovereignty, God's good sovereignty, can sometimes change that for his own reason. But there's a general principle in Scripture that says if you live according to God's Word, your life will be lengthy and abundant. But here's the reality, Christian. What generally is true in life is always true spiritually. Always true spiritually. If you and I follow God's Word, if we commit to the teaching of God's Word, we will have eternal life and we will have abundant life. Starting now and for billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of years later. What is true generally in life is always true in the Christian life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have what? Eternal life. I've come to bring you life, Jesus said, and life more abundantly. So keep that in mind. The promise of a good and full and lengthy life is generally true for all believers in this life. But it's always true, always true in eternal life. Now the parent adds another dimension to their instruction, starting in verse 14. The parents are using building blocks. Another great insight that we get from this instruction. It's so important to teach our children with the idea of building blocks. This is what you need to know. And then as they progress, you add another block and add another block. Each one of these speeches of the father is adding another dimension onto what he's already taught. 
and now we get another building block. We could, we could say it this way. Maybe it's a daughter. And the dad is saying, Mary, let me remind you also, if you follow my instruction, you'll not only have long and abundant life, but you will not stumble and fall into moral confusion. That's the main thought that I have here for you. Keep that in mind. This is the new insight. The dad is saying, here's the benefits from fearing the Lord and and following wisdom. And another benefit is that your life will not fall into moral confusion and ruin. I get that because four times in this little lesson, the father speaks of stumbling or being hampered. It's done intentionally. This is the point that is being made. By the way, another good teaching point. Repetition is always good. And so he's repeating. You won't stumble. You won't stumble. You won't be hampered. You won't stumble. The evil will stumble. You see, if we read this, we, we don't have to be rocket scientists to figure out what the point is. The father is saying to the child, if you follow this teaching... You, and and I'm in, I'll show you where I get this. You won't stumble. You won't fall into moral disarray and confusion. Some of us as parents, speaking pastorally, and I hope you receive kindly, but some of us as parents have wept through the night because we've seen our children disregard the wisdom of God and they've fallen into ever-increasing moral confusion. I'm scared to step on someone's toes, but I'm in I believe I must. We see it all the time. We see children leaving Christian homes, entering into relationships that are ungodly, sexual activity that's ungodly, children that are not part of a married situation are born, financial trouble, drugs, alcohol, problems at work. I've seen over and over and over and over again. Moral chaos to moral chaos to moral chaos, ever increasing, that's what what the text says here, ever increasing darkness consuming them. And where did it start? disregarding the godly teaching of God's Word. I know parents that are broken, weeping, crying to God. So verses 14 
to 19 emphasize this new dimension, this new dimension of walking and stumbling, or walking and not stumbling. This mother or father or both, the parents are telling the young person that the wicked, those who disregard the wisdom of God, the wicked become consumed by sin. They can't even sleep until they've accomplished everything their evil heart desires. They can't have a restful night because there's there's still something else they can do to satisfy their evil intentions. And their path is an ever-increasing darkness that will cause them ultimately to stumble and fall. But then we hit verse 18. Are you not thankful this morning for the buts in Scripture? But the path of the righteous. I have a book I've read, read, I just thought of it, just read years ago, uh, where the author plotted through the Scriptures the phrase, but God. And but God is the grace we need. We come to verse 18. But the righteous is like the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. This is the teaching of this father to his son. Son, this is the path of the wicked, ever-consuming darkness, moral chaos, but The righteous is like walking along the path. It starts with the light of the dawn of day, but it ever increases until the full day appears at noon. In other words, at the beginning, son, you will just see things with minimal clarity. In the beginning on this walk, you might not see things with clear discretion and discernment. But as you keep faithfully walking and obeying the Lord, that discretion and that discernment, that light will ever increase, and you will see it clearer and clearer. And you will arrive safely at your destination, and you won't stumble. At the beginning, it's going to seem you don't see everything very clear. But son, keep faithfully walking with the Lord. Keep faithfully obeying the Lord. Keep trusting Him. And at that walk, that path you take, each and every step you take, you will see things clearer and clearer with greater discernment and greater understanding. You will arrive safely. Perhaps the parent is saying to the child, you may not completely understand the value of even what we're teaching you. That would not be unheard of, would it? For a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old? 
They might be saying, you won't completely understand the value of what I'm teaching you, but keep trusting the Lord, keep walking faithfully, and it'll become clearer and clearer. You'll have greater discernment. The things that are wrong will stand out as wrong. The things that are right will stand out as right. You will have discretion, and you will not stumble. Remember the famous quote? Some of you may not have ever heard it. The famous quote by Mark Twain. He said in one place that when he was 14, he thought his father didn't know very much. But when he was 21, and I quote, I was astonished at how much he, my father, had learned in seven years. This is what we're talking about. The walk of the righteous is faithful, ever increasing until the noonday. In the book of Hebrews, we're reminded that solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What's the writer teaching us? He's teaching us that the light, the discernment, the discretion, the understanding of right and wrong comes to those in increasing measure who walk faithfully eating and and living on God's Word. They are the ones that are provided that. You see... Knowing exactly what is right and wrong is not something that is immediately afforded to a brand new Christian. Knowing right and wrong is not something that is immediately given to a brand new Christian. It comes with increasing maturity and faithfully living on God's Word. Thus I asked Pastor John to read the text that he gave. Even Jesus, the Son of God. We're told in Luke 2, the child... Now, be careful here. I'm speaking, and Luke is speaking here, about Jesus as referring to his humanity. In his humanity, he grew in wisdom. As touching his deity... He was all wise. I know this this is confusing. And I know I can't explain it. But it's true. As referring to the humanity of Jesus alone, we're told that he grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and he grew in favor with God and favor with man. We're told that Jesus as a 12-year-old, as touching his humanity, sat with scribes and Pharisees in the temple, and he increased in knowledge. He learned from them. He asked them questions. We're told that he increased in wisdom and stature. Luke 2, 42. point of this passage 
is the parent is telling the child that increased discretion and discernment comes with faithfully following God's word. It's not instantly given. So let's consider some application. I have four points of application. Number one, if it's true that the walk of the righteous leads them into ever-increasing discernment and discretion, that means there's always somebody ahead of me on the path. Just let that sink in. If it's true that the walk of the righteous is a walk that starts with minimal discernment and discretion, but increases through faithfully living for Christ, that means there's always somebody ahead of me on the path. There's always somebody I can go to and talk to. There's always somebody I can consult with. It means that I have never, whoever I am, have arrived. There are several people in this congregation that are, we're all sort of within 10 years uh, the same age group. Many of you have walked faithfully for many years, and you've learned by God's grace, discernment, and discretion. You need to be available to those who are yet behind you on the path. But beware, you have not arrived yet either. Beware. There's always somebody to listen to. Someone I can learn from. That's number one. Number two. Here's some advice. If any of us this morning are walking disobediently to God's Word, my advice is hold your opinions on what is good and what is evil to yourself. You have no cause to speak with authority on what is right or what is wrong. That should come with an ouch. If you're here this morning or listening online and you're walking in rebellion to God, you're disobeying God, you're not following the path of righteousness, your opinions of what is right and wrong are subject to great scrutiny. When Deborah and I were planning to get married, a pastor in our denomination at that time did the marriage counseling. And the very first thing, I think highly of him, I don't mind using his name, Pastor John Bonham, very first thing he said to us as we went to meet with him is, how do you know it's God's will for you to marry? I've never forgotten that. I've used that on a number of occasions. 
I remember sitting with a couple, both professing Christians, sitting in my office, and I asked that question that I'd learned from Pastor Bonham. And I said to them both, how do you know it's God's will for you to marry? And they gave me a number of answers. The almost miraculous way they met. How they get along. How they enjoy the same things. And then I looked at them, knowing what I knew about them, and said, you're both professing Christians living together in sin. How can you possibly know God's will for your life? I recount that illustration to make the point. Thankfully, the couple I'm thinking of repented of their sin, separated until they got married, and still today are walking with the Lord as far as I know. Let me ask you again, if you're here today, if you're not walking faithfully, obediently before God, how can you possibly know and have an opinion on what is right and what is wrong? I sat and listened to people who knowingly are walking disobediently to God and they're very sure of what's right and wrong. And that is not the biblical case at all being presented here. The walk of the righteous is as the dawn ever increasing until noonday. The walk of the wicked is an over-encompassing darkness. If you're here this morning, I'm pleading with your heart. If you're listening online, I'm pleading with your heart this morning. If you're walking disobediently, how can you possibly know God's will for your life? You cannot. Be very careful about giving your opinions on right and wrong. Number three, if I am young in the faith, if you are young in the faith, you should be humble and teachable. I'll never forget. I was a Christian about a year, born again about a year. I'll never forget sitting in the kitchen with my father correcting his doctrine. A man who had walked faithfully with God for half a decade, a man who had served in Nigeria for over 20 years on the mission field and the same number of years in a Canadian pastorate, I had the audacity as a young Christian to sit and correct his doctrine. I needed to add some humility and teachability to my repertoire. And I've never remembered that with any joy. Never. If you're a young Christian, this is an appeal to you to be humble and teachable before those who have gone before and have walked faithfully with the Lord. 
They may not be perfect and right, but you have no right except to listen, ask questions as Jesus did, and be teachable. My daddy wasn't always right, and I, if he was here today, we would disagree on some things. But he didn't need an arrogant, proud son to question him that day. Lastly, if I'm a child of godly parents, and I'm speaking to children here, young people here, and you have godly parents, you ought to grant them the highest of respect and honor. They ought to be the primary guidance as a, from a human, point, human being point of view in your life. You should be open with them in all things. What you hear at school and at university and what you hear on the news, it's a lie and it's demonic. You need to talk to your parents about everything you can. It's from them that you will receive the kind of advice this son is getting. You need to consult with them about who in your life, young men and young women who are becoming important to you in your relationship, you need to discuss that with your parents. I've never yet, and I tried to think, I really did, I've never yet known a young person, a young man or young woman who had a successful life disobeying their parents. And sometimes moms and dads say, you should not be hanging with that group. That person will not be a good friend. And no, you shouldn't move in with them and live with them. And no, you shouldn't marry that person. God in His sovereign mercy through the parenting of Christian moms and dads, offers you an unbelievable resource if you'll simply listen to them. It's still okay for kids to ask their parents about friends, about activities, about education, about dating, about courtship. The most significant, the most significant thing that can happen in a Christian context is when a young man humbly comes to the parents of the young woman and says, may I marry your daughter? If the door stays open, great. If you hear the noise of a bolt action, run. It's still a good thing to do. The key text is verse 18. Look at it again, please. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter 
until full day. Discretion and discernment are the fruits of faithful living. They're not an automatic thing. Knowing what's right and knowing what's wrong is the fruit of faithful living. It's not automatic. That's where original sin came from, by the way. You recall the story in Genesis? God told Adam and Eve, eat all the fruit of all the tree you want. But the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's for, that's, you don't touch that. Or you don't eat that, I should say. But Eve thought that she had the right in her rebellious state as she turned away from God's command to understand good and evil emanating from a wicked heart. The knowledge of good and evil is something that belongs only to God. And we as Christians learn from God as we walk faithfully with him. What is right and what is wrong is God's. It's not given to democratic societies. It's not given to consensus voting. It's not given to public opinion. What is right and what is wrong belongs to God. And we will only know what was right and what is wrong by walking with God. If we don't walk with God, we will not know what is right or what is wrong. The moment we think we can discern good from evil on our own is the path to destruction. On the day you eat of it, you shall what? Surely die. Every one of us, by nature, even that little baby that's so cute, every one of us, by nature, comes into this world thinking we know what's right for us and we know what's wrong. Don't we? We all think that way right from the beginning, even though there isn't any, any exact cognition in a little baby that's screaming their head off because they don't get attention. They believe that that's right for them, and they understand what's wrong for them, namely broccoli. That's part of our sin nature. We think what's, we know what's right, and we think we know what's wrong. Until God in his grace comes and intercepts our sin nature, and we're born again with a new nature, we have no hope of knowing what's right and wrong. You won't know what's right or wrong by simply going to the justice system in Canada, the halls of Ottawa, the boards of education, the teachers' councils, 
the millions of books that afford our libraries. You won't know what's right or wrong except God's Word. And to understand God's Word, you need to be born again. You need to have repented of that arrogance that says, I know what's right for me and I know what's wrong for me. And you need to repent of that arrogance and fall in humble submission before Jesus Christ and accept his sacrifice for sin on your behalf and trust him as your Lord and Savior. That's the only way you'll know what's right and what's wrong. If you're not a Christian here this morning, if you're tuning in online and you're not a Christian, or you say you're a Christian and you're walking in disobedience with Christ, I plead with you today to repent. Believe the gospel that Christ came and offered his life for you. Simply that you would trust him and give your life to him and seek to follow him. I invite you to put your faith in Christ. And then and then only will you be transformed. And you will be able to walk with confidence, knowing that the walk of the righteous is as the light ever increasing until noonday. Let us pray. Speak, O Lord, to all of us this morning. Cause us to respond properly to what you have said to us. Grant to your church a tremendous thankfulness for the wisdom you, you give to those who fear you and walk in obedience to you. It's not something that we can be proud of. What have we received that has not been given to us? You receive all the glory. There's no room for pride. Help us to be humble, to seek the counsel and advice, advice of those who have been walking along this journey longer than we have and have faithfully obeyed you. Grant us the Holy Spirit's conviction if we are not obeying you to humbly repent and turn from our wickedness and find grace and help and hope with you. Oh God, how we all need you this morning. Apart from you, none of us can stand on our own two feet. 
So come and fill our lives with thoughtful, hopeful living based on the sure and certain knowledge of your word and help us to live to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me and hear the Lord's blessing on your lives? Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you blameless before his presence with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power before all time and now and forevermore. And God's people said, Amen.